and welcome back to the Grindhouse Girls podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Katie. My co-host is Brittany, and this is a podcast about many strange and spoopy movies. We cover a lot of independent movies and a lot of horror movies, and we do want to caution before starting the podcast that listener discretion is advised, and a lot of subject matter we cover is not appropriate for children and can be quite sensitive. So if that sounds like something that's up your alley, keep on listening. If not, thanks for stopping by and on to the podcast. Hey there, this is Katie. Hi there, I'm Brittany. And this is the Grindhouse Girls Podcast. Grindhouse Girls Podcast. Ep- <coughs> episode six, 63, Woo. Uh, Blow the Man Down is yes. the movie this week. And it's How on Amazon doing, Prime. Yeah, I, I yes. am. I'm a, yes, it's on Amazon Prime. I'm okay, Katie. It's been a tiring week, um, but it is. I cannot complain. How about you? I'm good. Actually, like, there's some things cooking for the fall with the podcast that I've been really excited about this week. So I'm excited. Yes. Uh, but yeah, life's been kind of dreary this week. It's raining here a lot. It and, is, and one of yeah. our really good friends and a uh, longtime dedicated listeners, our good friend Stephanie, she lost her um, yes. pup, her pup Angel. Angel crossed the um, Rainbow Bridge this past Friday. We yep. we here at Grindhouse Girls, we are big animal lovers. We believe in the Rainbow Bridge, and we believe angels at the Rainbow Bridge. But for those of you who say prayers or send good vibes, please send them to our friends Johnny and Stephanie because yes. their hearts are broken and they are missing their baby still. Um, I never got to meet Angel, but she seemed like a really sweet little baby puppy. Yeah, she was and a sweet... She looked like a little werewolf. Yes, super cool. they called her the werewolf princess, so yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, so you will... I think the werewolf princess is cute. It is very cute. So you are loved and you are Miss Sweet Doodle, Sweet Werewolf Princess. And um, like I said, guys, please just give them their good uh, good thoughts, good prayers vibe so uh we appreciate it and yes um we we love you stephanie and johnny and we're thinking about you still yes. um so i guess we'll go ahead and go into a little bit um uh housekeeping Katie, yes housekeeping do you have any yes. housekeeping yes okay i do actually this week i do okay. do you have any i do not <laughs> okay i have some it's very quick uh the actor i was talking about last week that's on Loki. He plays one of the Lokis, and he was on Game of Thrones in the acting troupe. Is Richard E. Grant? He's been ah. in like a ton of stuff. That's the actor I was thinking about. Also, I forgot to mention that Wyatt Russell, who was in Overlord that we reviewed, was also in Ingrid Goes West as um, Elizabeth Olsen's husband in that ah. movie. So he did a really good job. I just like he wasn't like as big of a part. He had a, a he had a significant part. But, like, I for- totally forgot he was in that movie while I was talking about it. And I was like, oh, that's a connection. Um, but, yeah. So, that's, yeah, that's that's all I had to say about that. Um, did you watch anything interesting this weekend? I did. I told you a little bit about, um, so I think it was this week we finished up Loki. I want to say it was this week. But Loki, oh, okay. 
Yeah, Loki did get progressively better. I really liked it. It ended on a kind of a cliffhanger, but they have already approved a season two, so there will be a season two. Awesome. Um, I don't want to spoil a lot for you, Katie. I know you're kind of still feeling your way through a lot of the Marvel movies. Um, but yeah, I really liked it. I think I still may like WandaVision better, but I really did enjoy Loki. It was a lot of fun. Um, we That's also good. saw Old in theaters. Um, me and my I want to see it. Yes, because it is. okay, because yes. the thing about M Night Shyamalan movies are they're either really great, and I really like them, or they're so bad that they're entertaining to watch. Which yes. one does this one fit into? It is very solid middle ground Shyamalan. I would not say it's the oh happen- dang yeah it's not the, <laughs> it's not the happening. Um, but it's not Unbreakable Aww. or The Sixth Sense or Science either. No. It's, yeah, it's definitely more along the what? lines of The Village. Yeah. No. Yeah, so I, I have to say quote definitely. that every time. Yeah, it's, it's, it was the... fun. It was fun. The acting from, without going to spoilers, the actors that played the kids at different variations, I think were my favorite part of the film. The story was really intriguing and it kept me invested. But the dialogue was awful. Mm-hmm. Um, that is definitely the weakest point in the movie yeah. was the dialogue. And then there was a few weak it actors. Is... Yeah. Yeah. He kind of... I The thing with M. Night Shyamalan is he is a personable person. He's a, he's a little awkward, but aren't we all? But, like, for some reason, some of his movies, just the dialogue is not how humans talk. And I yeah. don't know what happens between him in real life and him writing where he forgets how humans talk. So, yeah. And I feel mean saying that, but there's, like, The Visit, I actually really enjoyed The Visit, um, like, because it was, it rode the line between being good, like, good and so bad it's good. Like, I, like, the tone was very confusing, but it was, I laughed a lot, and um, I, I don't know what they were going for. It was also Blumhouse, so it was low budget, and it was just kind of, like, crazy. Um, but I enjoyed The Watch. Even if yeah. I don't think it's brilliant. It wasn't brilliant, but it was, like, entertaining to watch. Um, but, like, a lot of the dialogue was weird in that one. He also had a little kid rapping, and he wrote the raps, which was not good. But isn't um, Alex Wolf from Hereditary in Yes, he is. The, yeah, Alex Wolf, who plays Peter in Hereditary, is uh, in Old. He is, and he is he's really good in it. I really enjoyed his performance. He's also in, and I, this movie is not playing anywhere near us, and it's not streaming yet, but it's a movie that I want to do when it's streaming, Pig, starring yes. um, Nicolas Cage. Mm-hmm. I've heard great things about I've kept myself mostly in the dark plot-wise. Um, I know the basic premise, but Alex Wolf is actually in that too, and apparently he does a really good performance in that, and I'm like, why is it not streaming? Like, I get that they want people to go to the theaters, but it's also, like, limited release, and it's, I looked, and it's not anywhere near us, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, which we do have some smaller theaters that do do independent movies, but um, they're it's a small theater, so they're limited as to what they can show. So yeah. Um, unfortunately, Pig's not one of them, but I I want to see that one. Did you see anything else? I did. So um, I actually um, my friend Stephanie was like, you need to watch this movie, and she let me borrow her Blu-ray Blu-ray copy. But I uh, watched Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Uh, oh, cool. It, it is thoroughly awful, I've heard it's, but it's, in, it's fun. <laughs> yeah. I've heard it's, like, middle ground to awful. Like, I've never heard it and be like, it's amazing. But I've heard people like, it's kind of fun in parts, but kind there, of messy. 
It's very messy, yeah. There's a lot of different tunnel things going on, and the CGI is oh, no. just like, there's so much CGI in this movie. Um, and a lot of things don't very make low sense. Budget. Yeah. Oh, it was, I think it had a relatively higher budget, I want to say. Really? Because yeah, it felt like it didn't have it. a lot of press. Yeah. Maybe, I think it, it maybe just, they just didn't spend money on press. I think that was around the time that they were doing, like, Abe Lincoln Vampire Hunter, but also, like, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. So it was probably, like, kind of yeah. lost in, like, the midst of that. Um, but it's fun. It's, well, it's a fun movie. Yeah. So. I think there was also, like, a controversy because they wrote Pride and Prejudice and Zombies because it was basically the book is, like, Pride and Prejudice and they just throw zombies in it. And they did Sense and Sensibility and Sea Monsters. And then all of a sudden, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter came out. But I think Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter, the book, maybe was written beforehand, but just was under the radar until the Pride and Prejudice and Zombies came out. I think. I don't know. Um, But I remember, like, hearing about, like, controversy with it, too. Um, I'm sorry, though, that it wasn't fun. Oh, it was fun. It was fun. It wasn't good. It was fun, though. Okay. As long as it's entertaining. Who cares? It was entertaining. Um, It was entertaining. Good. That's good. So a fun. Did you watch anything? Yeah. Did you watch? I I did. I did. Um. So this is something you'll appreciate. So Britt and I both love Hey Arnold, but I did not have cable when the Jungle Movie came out, and I finally sat down and watched Hey Arnold the Jungle Movie. And it did make me tear up. (laughs) Yeah. Just a bit. Because the, the Parents' Day episode always makes me cry. Yeah. Um, but n- now I can watch Parents' Day and not cry as badly. Because I can be like, yeah. oh, it, it, there's a resolution. But if you didn't know about the Jungle movie. So they did have a Hey Arnold movie. I did see it. I didn't love the movie, the original movie. I didn't think it, it felt was supposed to be, very true yeah. to form. It was supposed to be a made-for-TV movie. And Nickelodeon made the yeah. decision to make it theatrical. And that was a very bad decision on their part. Yeah. It just didn't, like, it didn't seem like, it was kind of like, you know, like how the first Sex and the City movie seemed like just three episodes of Sex and the City in a movie form, and it was good because it was what you were expecting, just bigger. And then the second movie did not feel like that at all. It was, like, really out of character. That's kind of how the Hey Arnold, the movie, felt for me. I just didn't like it. I just, it was not good. Jungle movie is completely different. It just feels like a a supersized episode, and um, it, it is really good, and there's a lot of really good fan moments. It, by the way, if you didn't know, there was a big time between when Hey Arnold ended and the Jungle Movie came out, and Craig Bartlett and, and many fans on, like, Deviant Art and things like this, I used to go on Deviant Art and find, like, Hey Arnold comics that people had drawn of the Jungle Movie, what yes. their predictions were, and so a lot of things were, like, fan, uh, fan fueled by the fans and um yeah and it was i think a kickstarter too yeah and so yeah so what happened is that the jungle movie um and i i was one of those people so when i was like 15 16 years old i was i remember like astounding my friends because i had read like every interview with craig bartlett possible and i was like did you know arnold's (laughs) last name is short man and they were like oh my god his last name's short man i was like yes that's why he's called short man throughout the series um but I was yeah. one of those people, I signed that letter, and um, because the Jungle movie was supposed to be the definite finale of, so the original plan was the Jungle movie would have been the definite finale of the TV show, and then they were going to do a spinoff called The Patates, right. which would have been like kind of like a Daria um, 
featuring Helga type scenario. And then it just She's my uh, favorite character, so I Yes. And the the hundred percent. The first movie was so it performed so um, underwhelmingly that they were just like, we're not going to do it. And they canceled it. And it really left like the escaping hole. And mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of Hey Arnold fans, including myself's heart. So when the Jungle movie finally yeah. got... Especially after yeah. the Parents' Day episode. Because it felt yeah. like, oh, it's a lead up to a bigger story. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And so with the series, it literally ends with, Grandma, Grandpa, I found a map. That's literally like the last line spoken. Mm-hmm in the series and so um the only thing about the the jungle movie i wasn't a real big fan of is that um the animation now i do know they had to update the animation because it was Mm -hmm. made like katie said probably like eight to ten years later but the animation felt kind of clunky to me i wasn't as big of a fan of the animation um and then gerald's voice like so the actor they got to play the uh Francis Smith, Wait. who played Helga. Francis Smith, who played yes. Helga. Yes, Francesca. Francesca, Francesca Smith. Smith. Francesca. Yeah, who played yeah. Helga. She came back. But the actor, obviously Arnold, hasn't gone for puberty yet, so they've had a lot of young men play Arnold over the years. The kid who plays Arnold in the movie sounds like Arnold. The kid who plays Gerald does not. But, fun fact. Okay, I have the exact opposite opinion. I thought Gerald was the most accurate voice. Girl, you 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 need to go back and, and watch recent Arnold, episodes. Then. No, I watched. I was watching Harold episodes right up to that point, and mm-hmm. Gerald sounded perfect, and Helga sounded a little different. But she's an adult now, so it made sense. But Arnold sounded off. But it was okay. But he did not sound like an Arnold. He, but, he sounded, there was something off about his voice. Gerald was dead on in the in the Jungle movie. I don't think so. And I that comes from me, like, literally binging before watching the Jungle movie. I did, too. I did, but, too. And you know what the cool thing is? The guy that played Gerald is Dina's brother yeah, in Fear Street. Street. And I was really excited. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they aged them two years. So, like, I can forgive any voice stuff. Well, at, like, the well end of the series, they, at the end of the series, they were in the fifth grade. And the reason I remember they were in the fifth yeah. grade, because their teacher was like, I'm going to be your fifth grade teacher, too. And I was like, oh, that's a, that's a, right. um, that's an easy way to, like, keep the same, like, character and, you know. So, um, they were in yeah. the fifth grade at the end of the series. But, yeah, the Jungle movie happens over the events of, like, their summer vacation starting middle school. Between fifth and sixth uh, grade. Yeah. Yeah, in sixth grade. So, so yeah. I love, but yeah, I, I, and we I love thought Mr. it was a Simmons. satisfied end. Yeah. It's good. It is funny yeah. that we had the opposite opinion of voices. I thought Gerald sounded perfect. But, and I had just watched like five episodes before. Like all I did that day was watch Hey Arnold and the Jungle Movie. And then that night I watched Blow the Man Down. I also watched Near Dark, which is a vampire movie that's been really hard to find on streaming. And Bill Paxton plays one of the vampires. It's very 90s. It was on okay. Bravo's 100 Scariest Movie Moments, and I've been wanting to watch it. And I, it's finally on streaming, I think, on Shudder. It's either Shudder or Amazon Prime. And it's good, but it's very 90s. It's very, like, 90s, because it's like a cowboy vampire movie. Cowboy vampire? It's, yeah. So, I would say, I don't think it's it's more boring than I was hoping, but it's still Aww. interesting. It's kind of like if the vampires in... Doctor Sleep, if there was a movie about them, just about them, it's kind of more like that kind of thing, which I'm sure that was fodder for the, was it the, the true, the true something? The true what not? What they call the vampire? True not. True, true not. not. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. It's kind of like, I feel like 
Steven Spielberg, Steven Spielberg, Stephen King, Stephen King saw that and was like, hmm, maybe I should uh, make the vampires in my Doctor Sleep movie like a book like that. Um, I've been watching more of I May Destroy You, but I haven't finished it yet. And I also started watching this show that my friend Kat told me to watch, um, Cruel Summer, where it's like, it's, it's told from two perspectives of, and three years in the, summers in the 90, 1993, 1994, 1995, and the first summer, um, is this very popular girl in this high school disappears, and this dorky girl named Jackie, or Jackie Jessie, I can't remember her name, this other girl, um, is like, you know, about to blossom or whatever. The second summer, while the popular girl is missing, um, the other girl, the dorky girl, starts dating her boyfriend and become, and like, best, becomes best friends with her best friends. Basically takes over her life. And then the third summer happens after something. And then it's kind of the aftermath of what happened. Okay. When people have falling outs. It's interesting. Uh, it's only ten episodes. I think there is a second season, though. But it's a little, it's a little bit 13 Reasons Why, like, teen drama. But there's uh, no self Well, I don't know if there might be self-harm. But it's not, like, the same kind of a crime. Yeah. Like, what happens in 13 Reasons Why. So it's not quite as heavy. It is heavy. There's a lot of heavy stuff. Because of what happens to the popular girl when she disappears. But it's not... It hasn't gotten crazy heavy yet. But it's interesting. And it's very... It takes place during the 90s. 1993, 1994, 1995. Which I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Because, you know, I'm a 90s kid. So, although I was very young in those years. But still, like, I remember the 90s. So, I, I it's on Hulu. I recommend it. Um, and then I'm... I'm looking forward to old, but also I really want to see Pig. And there's a new TV series on Hulu that's coming out from Steve Martin and Martin Short, who are two of my favorite comedians, and it's called Only Murders in the Building. And it's like them, and it looks like Selena Gomez, I think. Like, they witness a murder in their, like, building in New York City, and they're trying to figure out who the murderer is. But it's like a series. And Steve Martin wrote it. And Steve Martin is a really good writer. He's written several funny plays. Um, and he won, I think he won a Tony for The Frogs when he wrote it, I want to say. So, I love Steve Martin. And I love Martin Short. Um, the Three Amigos is one of my favorite movies. <laughs> it's a good movie. Um, anyways, but I just saw that and I was like, you know. Sometimes, we talk about what we've seen, but sometimes we don't always say like, oh, I'm excited about this. Have you guys seen this? Yeah. Um, but that's all I watched. So, but it, it was good. Yeah, it's good. Um, hopefully, I'm looking forward to The Green Knight's coming out. And there's a couple other movies I'm excited for. Yeah. So, yeah. Yay. Yeah, I guess with that, we should get started on our movie this week. Yeah, um, so we can dive right in. So, um, once again, we are talking about Blow the Man Down. It is on Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. This was recommended, actually, to me by our good friend Jonathan, who um, said... It's kind of like if Wes Anderson did like a um, kind of like a true crime film. So I was like, okay, sounds interesting enough, enough to mm-hmm, me. He's like, mm-hmm. and it's co-directed by two women. I was like, okay, you got me sold. Um, so that being said, 
It is written and directed by Bridget Savage Cole and Danielle Crudy. Crudy, would you agree that's her pronunciation? You know, I listened to several interviews. They never said her last name. So Crudy or Cruddy. But Cruddy. I think Crudy sounds better. Yeah. I think I th- Crudy probably sounds nicer. Cruddy sounds mean. Yeah. But they, um, so they, they co-directed and co-written this movie. And I did find mm-hmm. out in a interview, it was over the course of like eight years that they, they wrote this screenplay. Yeah. But um, Bridget Savage Cole um, directed two episodes of The Stand, um, three of The Cube. As did Danielle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They both did. Yeah. Yes, they did. Uh, two of window pressing. Uh, she did a few shorts, like the sexist takeout. Um, and I like the way this is like written out. It's Easta, Dinna, and Boston. Um, she also co-directed The Distance Between the Apple and the Tree. And it's the same thing, like Katie said, with Danielle. She directed two episodes of The Stand as well. And one episode of Window Dressing. So it's kind of like between The Stand and Window Dressing. I'm guessing these women have previous relationship because they were directors on series together. Um, she did the short film Julia. And she co-wrote Julia with Bridget. Um, and then she did Ani Wana, which she also co-wrote. Um, and it was directed by Bridget. So these women have, like, a co-collaboration. They're working with each yeah. other a lot. But this is their first film they... A first feature-length film they've written and directed together. So I thought it was cool. Yeah. And they, they seem like good friends. Yeah. They said that... So they just kind of got together and was like, okay, what screenplay are we going to write together? And they discovered that they had a bunch of, like, similarities in their, like, their wish list. For, like, the script they went to write. And it was, like, Seacoast, Eastern Town, Sisters, Catholic Families, and Covering Up a Murder. Yeah. And they were they were inspired by movies like Blood Simple. Which, personally, I like the end part of Blood Simple, but it's really slow in the beginning. Um, Morvern Collar, which I haven't watched. And Volver, which I haven't watched. Volvar, and I haven't watched that. So, yeah. um... But they, you know, they said that was really their thing. Um, Marceline Hugo, who is in this movie, one of the actresses, said that they they really worked really well together. And they never fought. They always, like, listened to each other's ideas. And it was just apparently a really great working environment in this movie. And it's a very female-centric film because the two main characters are two sisters. And um, it's kind of like if you guys have ever watched Murder, She Wrote, which if you were a child in the 90s, you probably have seen at least one episode of Murder, She Wrote. Um, this movie reminds me of, like, Cabot Cove, where um, Angel Lansbury's character is from. Jessica Fletcher, sorry. Uh, where It's like if Cabot Cove went absolutely batshit. But this reminds because it's also a small seafaring town. Yeah. Um, and so it kind of reminded me of Cabot Cove. It's very cozy. It's a cozy setting. Um, but it's also like, cause it's a small town, everybody knows everybody and yeah. everybody knows everything. And it's, it's so interesting. Um, and of course, uh, they did cast the amazingly talented character actress, Margot yes. <laughs> Martindale. Yeah. And there's no she, secret. She went, yeah. She's so sweet and friendly about this movie. She's just a friendly lady. I like her. I like her a lot. And, yeah, they also um, grew up near fishing towns. And um, they say Mm -hmm. just, like, from growing up in towns like this that these towns are beautiful. But they also have, like, they're known for their drugs or their other complexities. 
Um, and I have wrote, I have read this really great uh, article on creative screenwriting where they were kind of breaking down things. And one of the things they said mm-hmm. was that a lot of people are like, oh, it's a female-centric movie. It's a female-centric movie. And they're like, you know, they the reason they're females, they're meant to be meaningful to us, and they just so happen to be female characters. And I thought there was a quote that was really interesting. She's like, I guess because these women are interacting more with other women rather than men. It makes it a feminist movie, but I think that's frustrating because that's how low the bar is um, to make a feminist film. Yeah. It's just nearly having women uh, interacting with... That being said, this movie passes the Bechdel test, so... <laughs> like... Yes, which the Bechdel test is a bit of bullshit, but... It, yes. Uh, like, it, it, is, like it is a nice it. standard. Yes. Yeah, it, yeah, it does. Well, I always say that because Princess Leia doesn't pass the Bechdel test, and Star Wars doesn't, but I think we can all say that Princess Leia is a feminist icon. Speaking of uh, Star Wars, the music in this movie, which was composed by Brian McCumber, who, and Jordan Dixtra, which both of them worked on It Comes at Night, and then Brian McCumber did the music for Kresha that I saw a few weeks ago, which had really interesting, scary music. Um, the the music, the, the begin is really good. There's two parts of the music, but the composed music... Um, Sounds like the Mandalorian theme. Okay. From the TV show, which I don't know. Have you, have you, I can't remember if you've seen the Mandalorian yet. Okay. I haven't. Listen to the Mandalorian theme and then listen to the music where th- when things get tense, the dun, 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 dun that, yeah. like, the dun, 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 like that part. It sounds, it's not the same, but it sounds really similar. And I was like, is this the Mandalorian? So I was curious if he had worked on the Mandalorian and he hasn't. Um, so it, but Mandalorian, I think, came out before this movie came out, so I don't know if it's just, like, but they've been working on this movie for eight years, so I don't know when he composed the music. I was, like, it's not so close that I was, like, oh, but it was just, like, it was very similar, and I was, like, well, this is interesting. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's good music, and they have, you know, like, me being a music person, I'm always, like, oh, like, when they have really cool singing in movies, that makes sense. Let me put a big asterisk. That makes sense. I enjoy singing in movies. In this movie, it it's almost like a Greek chorus yes. of these fishermen singing sea shanties. Um, which is there's a lot of like classic theater influence in here, and a lot of the older actresses in this movie are theater actresses. Um, and I love it. They actually had I don't know. Did you see this? The guy, the main singer, his name is David Coffin, mm-hmm. is actually a maritime educator. So he, like, educates people about maritime shit, like sea shanties, and he actually, like, cat- helped them get all of their sea shanty singers, and, um, which is, they always had the movie called Blow the Man Down after the sea shanty, um, and they picked Blow the Man Down and Blood Red Roses, which are two that I'm familiar with, which yeah. I'm not, I'm not familiar with a thousand sea shanties, but I've listened to a few, and I was also getting some some lighthouse vibes a little bit because yeah. like there is a lot of sea shanties, but you know I think we talked about in the lighthouse how it was almost the absence of a female presence drove the men insane. Yeah, um, not completely, but it was like one of the themes was like the absence of women to men who are attracted to women might drive you insane. Uh, this is like also female centric. But it's like if the women run the town and the men are just little pawns, which I love. But I don't think, like you said, I don't think they were going out trying to prove a feminist point. I think it just happened that they wrote a story and female 
characters are the center of it. And they did want to have, like, a, a theme of sisterhood, they said. Yeah. Which is cool. Um, anyways, I'm sorry. I I like the background of this movie a lot. Yeah. Like, how it was made. And it's a very competently made movie. So I hope that, I hope that their professional relationship remains awesome because I would like to see them do another movie at least and see what else they do with it because I think they work really well together and like let's keep our fingers crossed that they do something else cool yes absolutely um we'll get into a few of the actors so I I do have to bring up Margot Martindale as Ina Nora Delvin ah. um who of course as Bojack Horseman is one of my favorite uh, TV series ever. She <laughs> is character actress Marco Martindale in Bojack Horseman. Um, she That's why is, I kept watching the show. Yeah, because she, I was like character actress Marco Martindale. I love her. She was I in Dexter, her. and she is like progressively in every season. Bojack Horseman. She also. Um, yeah. I didn't realize that like she's mainly known as Claudia on The Americans, and I think she won an Emmy twice for that role. But she was Mag Bennett on Justified. Awesome. I didn't know she played and was nominated for a Tony Award for a role as Big Mama in the revival of Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. So she's a Tony-nominated actress. Oh, I can yeah. see her as Big yeah. Mama. Hell yeah. Yes. Tony-nominated and Emmy Award-winning character actress. But yeah. she has a really impressive film. So she, because she's a character yes. actress, she's always playing supporting roles, but she is noticeable. Mm-hmm. So she was like in The Hours, yes. Million Dollar Baby, well, Orphan, August Osage's Country. And that's just to name a yes. few. So. Yeah, August Osage County, which was a yeah, play County. originally. Yeah, it was a play originally. Yeah. And then I first saw her in Dexter where she plays Camilla, who plays a very important role. But she is a supporting character in the first few seasons of Dexter. But her character arc was really amazing. Um, and, like, I was like, oh, I love this woman. Who is this woman? And then, like, she would pop up on different TV shows. Um, and she's just freaking awesome. She's a hard worker. Um, and yeah, she's, she's, she's a force to be reckoned with in this movie. Yeah. Definitely. She, she is. She like owns every scene. It's like for, I, the actors, all the actors in this movie are good. And especially the women, the women are, are all very strong yes. actresses, but she just kind of owns yes. every scene she's in. So. Yes. <laughs> I thought it was interesting. Meredith Holtzman. No, not Mary's Holdman. I'm sorry. Marceline Hugo. There's a lot of MH names. Mm-hmm. Who plays Doreen, one of the older women. Um, she was in The Leftovers, which is a very good dramatic show, which I've never finished, but it was good. Um, but, okay, so I saw her face, and I was like, I know this lady's face. Why do I know this lady's face? But I feel like I've never heard her talk before. She plays Kathy Geis on 30 Rock, who is, like, famously never talks, which... I feel bad now for the role of Kathy Geist, but I was like, oh my god, it's Kathy Geist from 30 Rock. It's nice to see her, like, act and actually have lines, because she's actually a really good actress. Yes. And she seems like a sweet lady. Um, But she and Margot Martindale and um, June Squibb and Annette O'Toole, who also play some of the supporting characters, they've all done, like, theater and movies together for years. Yeah. Um, So it was kind of, like, they already had, like, a relationship built before they did this movie, which I think is important because a lot of these characters have been friends for, like, decades. Which I thought was cool. Yes. Um, do we want to go into, like, the two main characters? Yeah. After Mar- Margaret Martindale's not even really in the movie until a good 25 minutes in. Like, you see her for one short scene. I was expecting her to be, like, be the first person I saw, and she doesn't really come in until, like, the f- after the first, like, intro 
Yeah. And I was like, where? But then she comes in and she comes in full force. She does, yes. So we do have Morgan uh, Sailor, uh, or Sailor, as uh, Mary Beth Connolly. Mm-hmm. Um, so she played uh, Dana Brody in Homeland, which I've never seen Homeland, but it turns out from me reading, she's actually a, a pretty big character in Homeland. She was Leah in a breakout mm-hmm. film called White Girl, and she actually pursued mm-hmm. the role of Mary Beth for three whole years. So, like, this was a role that she read, and she's like, I want this role, wow. I want this role. And she actually, they had her audition for both sisters, but she already made up her mind she wanted Mary Beth. Like, she was not interested in Pris at all. So, <laughs> um, sometimes you just know you're that character. Yeah. And I thought it was cute. You probably read this too, but there's a, there's a kind of like throwaway line in the movie about how Mary Beth likes to prank call people. And that's actually what they had her do like Bridget and Danielle had her prank call people because they (laughs) they they wanted her to like get the mindset of that character and how she kind of functioned so she was actually prank calling um a lot of their downtime between filming they were doing shit like prank calling people yeah so hope they're prank calling other cast members they did they I think it was one of the producers they they prank called and they were like yeah your um your sets don't do this and they were like talking about how like it didn't meet criteria and they literally had like this poor guy freaking out so I did I did remember (laughs) one of it was a cast member yeah or crew member I should say that's funny yeah that's funny well then we have Sophie Lowe who uh plays Priscilla which I think is a perfect name for this character because she's a bit of a priss yeah um and uh, she was in The Slap, which I remember seeing the commercial for The Slap, and I was like, this looks ridiculous. And also Lena in The Returned, and Lola in What Lola Wants. So she's done oh, some stuff. I've yeah. heard of a, all of those, actually. So I was like, oh, that's cool. So. Oh, I forgot to put a T in Margo Martindale's name. Oh, who's Margo Mar- Marindale? <laughs> Margo Martindale. Marindale. We can, um, we'll go over real, real quick, um, because you're going to recognize yeah. a lot of these ladies' names, but we had June Squibb yes. as Susie Gallagher, who's mm-hmm. one of the three biddies that yes. kind of handles things, so yes. she was, was in a, Nebraska. In about Schmidt. Yes. And she's, um, she was on Broadway in Gypsy, uh, and then also, by the way, she... Is Michael Scott's mom's voice in the office on that episode where he tells everyone he and Holly are engaged? Oh, and she's on, and she goes, "Michael, are you really engaged?" That's June Squibb, apparently. So I didn't know that either. I was like, "Oh, Michael's mom." I was like, only on one episode, and I was like, "Oh, okay." I remember That's also funny. when Nebraska came out a couple years ago, and everyone was talking about Nebraska. Of course, she's like in Nebraska. Yeah, I've seen that. Oh, Nebraska. God, yes. yes. Yes, look it up. Um, but yeah, so Nebraska, Nebraska was a big. Is it a movie, movie. or it is a, a movie. TV show? It's a movie. Yeah. Okay. It's a, it was a All it right. was a big one a couple of years ago with the awards circuit. Um, so that's kind of where I knew her was, and then of course she. Um, it's funny. There's two girls alumni in this movie, and she played Grandma Flo in the episode Flo. So she played Hannah's grandma, and even though she was only in one episode, she had a very. I felt like she was a very memorable character, and that's the type of actress she is. Like. She is, like, mm-hmm. the cutest little old lady. And it's, like, she has one yes. of those faces. Like, I, I don't know what it is about mm-hmm. her face, but I could just watch her, like, talk all day, honestly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I love her. She's mm-hmm. cute. Which I was like, oh, June Squibb. I know June Squibb. And Annette O'Toole, too. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, Annette O'Toole. Yes. Um, who plays Gail. Uh, she was, she's been a lot of stuff. She was in 48 Hours. She was in Smallville. She was Beverly in yes. the It 
miniseries. Which is where I know um, it. And also, currently, I haven't watched the show yet, but everyone's like, I love this show at work. Um, she plays Hope in Virgin River. Oh, yeah. Which, I think I saw the first episode of Virgin River. It's a little bit, it's very, I don't know if it originally was on Hallmark Channel or if it just seems like a Hallmark Channel TV show. But it's like this nurse moves to a small town after being widowed. And she's like, oh, I'm a big city girl in a small, like, like town in the middle of Montana or something. I think, I feel like Annette O'Toole's character is maybe like the sheriff or the sheriff's wife or something, I feel like. But I only saw, like, the first episode. I think my mom was watching it. I've, apparently it's okay. I don't know. I I like watching those movies more towards Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> when I want to watch something like Small Town Girl or Big Town Girl, Small Town Life. Yes. This is Virgin River. Anyways, so. But, yeah, so she's in that right now. Uh, we do have some men in this movie, by the way. We do have a couple. Um... Will Britton, who plays Officer Justin Brennan, um, was in Kong Skull Island. He was in Colony and apparently in The Forever Purge. Which yes. I feel like he was in something else that I've seen because his face is really familiar. But I think he just has one of those faces. You know? Yes. And I feel bad because mm-hmm. I, I feel like I butcher his second name. But even Ebon Moss... Bachrock? Bachrock. Bachrock? Bachrock. So Bachrock. he was in... Des- I actually recognize him as Desi on Girls because I, I watched the whole Girls series. And um, so that's... Yeah, Marnie's I like, don't really yeah. like... I'm not a fan of Lena Dunham. Mm-hmm. I find her very annoying. And she's also kind of just not a nice person in real life. So, like, I've never went... I've only not wanted to watch Girls literally because of her. Because I'm just like, yeah. I just don't feel like giving her money. But he, he played Desi on Girls, but he was also um, John... He played John Quincy Adams in the miniseries John Adams. Yes. Which I need to watch because literally all these movies I, I do keep too. watching, it keeps showing John Adams on their uh, filmography. Yeah. So I'm like, I need to watch this show. And obviously. it's Paul Giamatti. Yeah. Paul Giamatti plays John Adams. And you yes. can't go wrong with Paul Giamatti. <laughs> He's yeah. amazing. Um, he also was in um, the Punisher TV series as David, which I haven't watched it either, but... I would watch it because uh, John Burchell from The Walking Dead mm-hmm. is the Punisher, right? Yes, I think you so, are correct. He's yeah. a good. Hated his character in The Walking Dead, but he is a good actor. He is, and he's been in a lot of stuff. He was in Baby Driver too. Yes, that's like not a big part, but he was good when he was in it. And we did need to mention there was one other woman that we forgot, which was Gail Rankham mm-hmm. as Alexis, um, who's one of Enos' working girls. Um, she was Sheila the She-Wolf in Glow. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Queen Victoria and the Greatest Showman and Emily Dotson, HBO's Perry Mason. So uh, she was one of those people as soon as I saw her. Oh! That's why she looks familiar, because she's Emily Dotson. Oh, Perry Mason's a really great TV show, by, by the way. Y'all should watch it. It's amazing. I was like, why does she look familiar? Yes. Um, but no, I, I really liked, I watched all of Perry Mason. It's really good. I really liked it. I think it got nominated for several Emmys too, which deservingly so. It, it really is good. It's very depressing though, because it takes place during the depression in LA, which was fucked up in the forties. So it's great. Y'all should watch it. Um, if nothing else, because somebody in this movie is in it. Yeah. Yeah, There are other people in this movie, but I feel like we've gone through enough characters. It's fine. Um, do you have a synopsis for this? I do. It is not my strongest synopsis, but I do have one. And it's, um... When, it's okay. When Priscilla and Mary Beth Connolly lose their mother, a distraught Mary Beth has a run-in with a dangerous man. 
that leads the girls to cover up a crime um, and find out secrets about their mom and their hometown they didn't think possible. Um, yes, so do we want to get into spoilers then? Because yes. I think I think I forgot to say spoilers last week. Okay. I'm pretty sure. Oh, I, no. Either I forgot or... Because I was editing, I was like, I, I don't... Because usually I write it down so I can put it in timestamps, and I was like, I think we forgot to say spoilers. Yeah. Oh, so whatever, no. but usually I think people know. I put it on the timestamps. Yeah. So if you scroll down, you'll know where it is. Awesome. But, I think we forgot to say it. So, spoilers! Spoilers. We're going to go into the plot. We Before are. Before we get into spoilers, do you recommend? Yeah. Do you not recommend? Absolutely recommend. Cool. I recommend, too. I do think... If you like things like Fargo or, like, like you're saying, shit, what's his face? The director. Wes Anderson. Yeah. If you like weird, small-town stories, you'll love it. I do think like, it's it's not a slow moving movie. Uh, it's but only there's not a ton of yeah. It's it's pretty quick, but I do think like probably it's safe for like any age group. But I do think like there are probably some people that will think it's boring because it's not like action packed. But I like it and I find it interesting. So I wasn't like absolutely blown away by this movie, but I really liked it and I think it's really solid. Um. So, but I really liked it. So I'd recommend it. And it's on Amazon Prime. So it's not going to, you're not going to waste a lot of money watching it. So try it out, y'all. Yeah, I would Character agree with that. Character actress Margot Martindale. Character actress Margot Martindale. <laughs> yes. Yeah, she's in it. So, yeah, so we're going to say spoilers from now on. Yes. As we kind of get into some plot. Because I don't want to spoil too much with this movie. Because I, I didn't know a lot about it coming in except there was a murder and it's in a small town and sisters and i think that's the best way to go into it yes okay so yeah we are officially getting to spoilers for again blow the man down on amazon prime and three two one uh so we open up we are in a small town it like katie said is in maine uh we open up with mm-hmm. the fishermen singing below the men down um and i and i love the first like quirky moment in this is that like he's like and if you ain't into fishing then you're in the wrong place and he winks like at the camera yeah that made me laugh yeah it's like a little like and they yeah. do it like a ding um it's like automatically kind of breaking the fourth wall but it's such, I feel like it does a very mm-hmm. great uh, way of setting up the tone of the movie, which is what I like yes. so much about it. Um, yes. So we are in Easter Co. Maine. We have sisters Mary Beth and Priscilla. They just lost their Mary, uh, their mother, Mary Margaret. She just passed away from a very long illness. Mary Margaret was very loved in the town. Um, and meanwhile, we also mm-hmm. see a very cutaway scene. It's like of a man chasing a woman. And it looks yes. like a very violent altercation, but we don't see exactly what yes. happens to the woman. We just know that he's, like, chasing her and saying, you fucking bitch. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, it's interesting because mm-hmm. it's, like, you cut from seeing the girls at their mother's funeral to that scene, and you cut back to the aftermath mm-hmm. of what's happening after the funeral. So. Yeah. And you know they're, you know they're a Catholic family because they start taking shots before the funeral. It's like, yep. That's what you do. Yep. Yeah. That's what, like, I... I automatically like this movie because I get really, like, comforted by, like, Catholic funerals. Yes. No, no it weddings. Makes it makes sense. It makes sense. We, but they, you know, they... I don't understand why people don't drink at these things when people are like, I don't drink. I'm like, why? Yeah. Unless you're... Unless you have an alcohol... Unless you're an alcoholic, then good on you. Yeah. 
but we see sometimes um, we need a little liquid break. we all need a little drink exactly we see susan doreen and gail which are kind of like the biddies of the town i don't know if that's a derogatory word i hope it's not but that's like they're like the ladies as well. i hope I it's call. not yeah I like they're the kind of the crochet mafia yeah they're like the ladies the ladies um but they're kind of like reminiscing with the girls in the kitchen about their mom. And they're like, they're saying like, oh, your mother was so, such a good friend. She got me out of so many different things mm-hmm. when I got myself in trouble. Oh, she was known for wearing these big ass boots everywhere. And um, so as they're talking, Doreen goes over to Mary Beth and she's like, you know, I know it's hard losing the house, but you'll be grateful that you did everything for family. And so like Mary Beth's like, what the fuck? And Priscilla's like, I'm really sorry. Mom took mm-hmm. out a loan against the business, the house against the business. And yeah, we're probably going to lose the house. And this sets off the chain of events because she's hurt by this. She's hurt that she finds out this information from a stranger, not a stranger, but from a neighbor essentially versus her sister. So she right. goes with, she does what any like right. impulsive 20 something would do. She goes to a local bar and basically picks up a townie. So, yeah, and right away we've established that Priscilla likes home mm-hmm. and she likes the town. She's working in the the business. They have a fishmongering business. Mm-hmm. And she's like she's she's there. Um but Mary Beth wants to go away to college. She doesn't want to stay here forever. And so her, you know, but now she's like, oh, well, like, if we're going to lose the house, can I even afford to go to college? Which I can't imagine losing your parent right before going to college. Yeah. Like, that's just fucking terrible. It's very sad. Um, and she's mad at her mom, too, because her mom didn't tell her anything. Yeah. Which, I mean, when someone passes away, there's just so many emotions you go through. Is like you're angry and then you're sad and just all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, but, yeah, so she's the impulsive sister. So she goes out to this bar and like, obviously like she's lived in this town her whole life. And a lot of the guys that are at the bar are super nice, like her friend Polly. Um, but she picks like the one creepy guy in the yeah. bar to hit on, which is interesting, but okay, honey. Also it's snowing. It's like ice cold right now. Yes. Yes. And she's wearing like, she, she's wearing like a teeny tiny skirt, which and this is not shaming. I'm just saying like, it. It looks really cold, honey. Yeah. She's wearing a teeny tiny skirt and just, like, sheer tights. And I was like, honey, honey. Like, maybe we're just too Southern. I don't know. Well, it's also, she's in her mom, she's in a funeral dress. So she's, like, in her black funeral dress Mm -hmm. with an oversized coat. Because she's, she's impulsive. She didn't think about where she was going. She's just pissed off and she left and she went to the bar. Um, And she walked there. Yeah. Because I guess she didn't take the car. She, like, literally walks there because she redoes her makeup in a parked car's mirror. Like, rearview mirror. It's yeah. very funny. Um, yeah. She's, yeah. So she picks the one creepy guy in the bar. Yes. Which is sad because Polly's kind of cute, honestly. Yeah, he is. I like Polly a lot. And um, so it's interesting because the way they cut the scenes in this movie, too, is that even though, like, I feel like a lot of the beginning focus is definitely more on Mary Beth, they, they make sure you get to see what's going on in Pr- Pris's, like, life. And mm-hmm. so they cut back and Pris is, like, cleaning up after the funeral. And this is when we see Enid Devlin for the first time because she literally... Uh-huh. Priscilla knocks on the door and she opens up. There's this beautiful flower arrangement, and she's like, "Oh, Miss yeah. Devlin's walking away." She's like, "Miss Devlin, thank you for the flowers." She's like, "They weren't cheap," and it's like, not like she just a, walks off. Yeah, not an appropriate thing to say. Also, all. yeah, when she left them, she knocked really loudly on the door, like yeah. abruptly. So, like, 
when you leave something on someone's door, if you don't want to talk to them, don't knock on it. Just wait for them to open it up the next day. Come on, lady. Come on. Yeah. So, obviously, she wants people's attention. Yeah. And so, but then we go back to what's going on with Mary Beth. And she's driving um, Grosky's car. And he's doing some coke. And uh, he puts his hand on her. Oh, yeah. His name's Grosky. Grosky. Yeah. Yeah. Gorsky. 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 I can spell it. Yes. <laughs> but uh, yes. he's doing some coke. She's driving his car. And when he touches her Off the leg, dashboard. It becomes, it, 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 he becomes really uncomfortable when he touches her yeah. leg. And she crashes the car. And well, she's already yeah. told him, yeah. I think it's time to go home. Yeah. And then he, like, not only touches her leg, but tries to push her skirt up even more. And it's like, ah, uh, no. Yeah. Not okay. Exactly. And they end up crashing into... I forgot what the statue's name, but it's like a giant fisherman in the middle of the town. Yeah, something dick. Wasn't yeah. it like something big dick? dick? I want to say it's big dick, but I don't big know if that's dick? right. Like, <laughs> I don't think it was big dick, but it was like dicky dick. Dicky dick, yeah. <laughs> something. I'll look it up. You keep going. Yeah, no. And so um, <sighs> they end up driving. Afterwards, they drive to his place, and the trunk accidentally pops open, and she sees like evidence that there was a body in the trunk because there's hair there's like a nail. There's blood all over. And she gets rightfully freaked yep. the fuck out. Um, she tries to get yeah. away from him. He pursues her. And while he's pursuing her, he's like calling her a bitch. Like the scene is very aggressive. Like you wouldn't believe mm-hmm. in this situation. This man is trying to hurt this woman. And what I see as self-defense, she takes a harpoon and she stabs him for the neck. Which I... Yeah, yeah. it's kind of... It's kind of blurry, but she's probably not thinking. She just wants to get out of there. And she's yeah. kind of trapped, yeah. too. Like, because she gets trapped. And, like, you can't, like, just jump in the ocean and swim because they're at the docks because it's fucking below zero and you'll probably freeze to death. But I would so also... she didn't really have a choice. I would also argue, though, that if, like, she, she had stabbed him in the neck and she told the police, like, hey, he was chasing me and there's blood all over the back of his trunk, then it'd be like, mm, we may have a murderer on our hand. So, they hopefully would. Yeah. But I'm just, I'm like, I'm thinking like technically, legally, like, would you be able to argue that? Since you don't have any bruises on your body. It's easier yeah. to say it if they've hit you first. Which sounds terrible. I'm just saying, like, sometimes it's 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 terrible that we have to think like, oh, how do I prove that this is yeah. self-defense when it is self-defense? Well, this is where, um, this was where maybe it was overkill. Gruesome. Yeah, this is where maybe it was overkill because yeah. she stabs him with a harpoon and then he grabs her as she goes by mm-hmm. and she, she bashes his head with a brick, which is where it may have been a little overkill at that point. I would agree there. Yeah. So, yeah. And when she tells her sister, at first she's like, Oh my god, what am I gonna do? And she's like, Well, it was self defense, right? You had to do this. And she was like, I went overboard with the brick. And she's like, Well, I thought you said it was a harpoon. What the fuck? Yeah. She's like, Well, I lost control. And it's like, Ah, but you know what? Like, I just, like, I agree. Like, she had to get out of that situation. Yeah. Um, and she did try to run first. Like, she did try, but he was not gonna let her go. Yeah. Yeah. Just not at all. But I have to say, I did like Pris here because Pris is like a uh fucking ride or die she puts her mom's boots on and she's like you know mm-hmm. they grab one of their containers which is so stupid like the first the first time i saw them grab, yeah, don't grab like, your own stuff yeah it's like it has their fucking double mermaid logo on it i'm like oh my god they're not even trying to peel it off or anything so that was the first thing i'm like what are you girls doing 
But it's kind of accurate because people don't always logically think about things in these situations. Right. But what I thought... Which is why the harpoon thing, I think... That's what I'm saying. Like, like she didn't have time to think. So, of course, like, she's just going to go protect herself. Yeah, you're not thinking. Yeah, exactly. You're not thinking. You're not thinking that the fucking uh, cooler has your guys' logo on it, but you're so worried about the knife. But anyway, um, but uh, I, I did like this part <laughs> because it's like they can't fit the body into the cooler. And so Pris is a bit of a badass, I will say. Mm-hmm. She, uh... By the way, the body in the cooler was one of their producers, Drew Hupt. Um, he actually was the body double for the body in the cooler. That's so cool. the they're it's actually a person that they're trying to squish in that cooler. Like it's a real live person. It's not a dummy. So I just didn't realize how many times people like actually just use people to do these terrible things to like with till death. Yeah. And this and I'm like I'm like, huh, I guess it's cheaper just to have your producer get abused than <laughs> than make a dead body. So it was pretty funny. Um, but yeah, they said that he was at, I think at their TIFF interview, he was like, that was me. Yep, just one of the, the perks of being a producer. Um, but yeah, Pr- Pris decides that, uh, I think Mary Beth offhand is like, what are we supposed to do? Like cut his arms off? And she's like, okay. So she gets her their fishmongering knife, which is like an engraved. Why would you bring your engraved knife? I get that she always uses it every day at work. But at the same time, like, she gets this engraved knife. And she just, like, chops his arm off. Yeah. So at least one of them. Probably both. Yes. Um, And they throw the cooler in the ocean. And they go home, wash the blood off. And Pris has thought about calling the police, and she does pick up the phone to call the police and then immediately hangs back up um, before she knows, before they hide the body. Yeah. Um, and they wake up the next morning, and the police are there. And Pris is like, oh, shit. And it's this Officer Justin guy. He's like, hey, can we borrow your boat? Because there's a body that washed up on shore. And so Pris is like trying to like act normal but like she's not hearing anything else meanwhile um enid's one of her um girls um what was the character alexis right alexis yeah alexi yeah alexis lexi yeah lexi that's i was like yes lexi lexi is walking home um from waiting for gorski all night and she's dressed you know a little scandalously for you know eight o'clock in the morning and the three biddies see her, and they're like, what, is she walking to church? Um, and they're like, this has gone too far. Um, and you find out that Enid's business is a officially the Oceanside Bed and Breakfast, but it's actually, you know, uh, it's a brothel. Yes. And um, she runs it, and, you know, everybody knows about it. Um, because apparently, at some point... Um, things were really bad in the town and a lot of men were abusing women and for sex work. Yeah. And so that's kind of how Oceanside came about, which you find out more about it later on in the plot. But so they're all aware of it. Like the whole town is aware of it, but especially the women. Yeah. And they kind of like make sure that you know, it goes smoothly and that they don't get in trouble with the law. Um, so Lexi comes home and, um, you know, 
she's like, oh, just a bunch of old ladies saw me. That's the only thing. That's the only person who saw me. And she mentions that Gorski never showed up. And I like that she just offhandedly mentions when Enid asked her, like, if anybody saw her. She's like, oh, just a bunch of old ladies. Because, like, that's how um, under the radar all of these women in the town can go. Which is why they get away with so much shit later on in the movie. Is because, like, oh, no one's gonna, like, think a bunch of old ladies did something naughty. Yeah. Um, which I thought is really cool. So, anyway, so they go, they, they go on the boat. Officer Justin, it's very obvious that he likes Pris. He's like, oh, yeah, we, we went to school together. And she's like, oh, okay. And she's, like, distracted because the body. And it turns out it's not her dead body. It is the body of one of Lexi's best friends, Dee. Yeah. Um, who was with Gorski earlier that day. Yeah. So, um, and they, the, the hey, Officer Siri, Coletti. turn off the fan. Officer Coletti, who's, like, the police chief, who's, like, really bad at his job, um, takes Justin to the brothel, uh, to the Oceanside, and, like, basically, Enid tells him, oh, well, she was really into drugs, so it's obviously, like, the drug dealer downtown, like, the guy who runs the desert, which is what they call the docks downtown, obviously like it's him and so obviously like she has him under her thumb because he thinks she's really gorgeous and justin's like um that sounds kind of like maybe that's not what's actually happening here like maybe she actually got murdered murdered yeah um which is interesting because he's seeing things but they've been running this town for such a long time that like you know, the police are under their thumb. I just find it very interesting. I'm sorry. Keep going. No, keep you're going. You're sorry. Good. You're good. You're good. So, um, Mary, so what happens is that because Pris realizes their knife is gone and because she already has to freak out about the body, mm-hmm. Mary Beth goes to search for the knife and she cannot find it. But what she does find is a sack with a large amount of money. And so it's like, well, fuck. Yeah. like I can't find the knife, but I find the money. So, the next scene is actually the, the, the ladies, they corner Enid about the murder while she's getting her hair done. And so yeah, that's and a great scene. afterwards, it's because Enid's like, well, where the fuck is, uh, is Gorski? Uh, she goes to his flat and she realizes instantly something's wrong. And she finds the knife. So she finds the girl's knife. And so afterwards, she's having a drink at the bar and... Mary Breath is just not very smart because she's running around and she goes to the bar and she literally is getting like a top thing of whiskey and she gives the bartender a hundred dollar tip. So Enif knows right off the bat, like, oh, I found your knife and you definitely have the money because you're throwing it around. Mm-hmm. And so um, Dumbass. it's this scene afterwards where the ladies, the ladies of the town, they trick Lexi into coming over. And while they have her over, they mention th- her friend Dee. And, you know, Lexi tries to kind of play it cool. She's like, it's, yeah, it's awful that someone drowns. And like, no, honey, she didn't drown. She was murdered. And at that point, Lexi mm-hmm. becomes very upset because she didn't realize her friend was murdered. She thought she just drowned. Yeah. Yeah. And they're not just friends. They're, like, almost sisters. Yeah, they're best like, friends. Like, they live in the same room at Oceanside. And Lexi listens to this voicemail from Dee, and it just says, like, Oh, I love you so much. I wish you'd pick up your phone. And that's, like, the last message she left her. And that's all you hear of the message originally. Um, and so Lexi's starting to distrust um, Enid, too. Yeah. Because she's like, oh. Because Enid... It seems like Enid may have had D killed by Gorski. Yeah. 
Yeah. Like, that's the suspicion Lexi has. Like, she doesn't come right out and say it, but, you know, and they're kind of planting that seed in Lexi's head. And, you know, the three women kind of discuss, they're like, Enid's gone too far, and it's too out in the open. Because it's like, they're fine with Oceanside being what it is, as long as it's quiet, not noticeable. But it's starting to be noticeable because she's not being careful anymore, and she doesn't really give a flying fuck, it seems. Yeah. And the other thing is, they don't really want Enid killing people over the brothel. Yeah. Like, that seems a little extreme. Exactly. And so, yes. and so you have all this going on, and then Mary Beth can't find the knife, so she just lies to Pris and says, well, I found the knife and I threw it off the side of the bridge. Right. Um, and so, I really like this following scene, because... Brennan, Officer Brennan, talks to Lexi at the docks and asks mm-hmm. her about the, and it's a very humanizing moment where she's like, you know, she had family that lived here, and you know, she, he's like, this, did she owe someone money? She's like, no, people owed her money, and she's walking home, and mm-hmm. Susie returns Lexi her jacket, which is actually a really touching scene because she drives by her and she's like, oh, it's just me, honey, I'm returning your jacket, and then when Lexi yeah. puts on the jacket, she finds a sympathy card, and um. And the thing that's like, I'm really sorry it's for It's too loss. sweet. Yeah, it's really, really sweet. So sweet. Yeah, and so you have, like, these things. Or I, is it calculating? I kind of, what I think is that they're, what I love I about this movie and the characters, the way they're written, is very great. I don't see anyone as truly good or evil. They all have their own vendettas, right. but they're all very interesting, fleshed-out characters, too, I feel. Um, yes. And so afterwards, you see Enid warms her way into the Conleys' houses with uh, Chowder, and one of I feel yeah. like the main theme of this movie is kind of summed up in this line because she's talking, and they have no idea they're eating this fucking Chowder, and she's actually looking around their house and literally tips over the boots and sees blood on it, and she goes, "You know, a lot of people underestimate young women. That's why they get away with a lot." And that's like the whole mm-hmm. theme of this movie is that people mm-hmm. underestimate yep. women. And because of that, women get away mm-hmm. with a lot. And I, I actually really, really yes. like that kind of summary. Yes, definitely. And she's so sneaky about it, and they're such idiots. Yes, I mean, they're they not are. idiots. They're just like they're like they don't think she would do anything, and they don't. I don't think they really know that Gorski's involved with her because they're on. A, they know that Seaside is what it, or Oceanside is what it is, but they don't know that their mom was involved with it originally and Enid decides to tell them you know me and your mom actually started Oceanside because things were getting really bad and so we decided to take it over and make it more safe for it's, women it's hilarious that scene too because they're like she's saying you know me and your mom work together and they're like you worked at the fish shop and she literally goes does these look like fishmonger hands and they're like perfectly manicured yeah. and she has rings and stuff <laughs> and it's like it's like yeah. the, the the curtain the like it's like the curtain goes up and the girls are like mom was in the fucking like brothel business like it's like such a great yeah light bulb moment yeah but and it's great because like you know, she's like, oh, and she left the business for you girls. Not that, like, I hold it against you, but obviously she does. Yeah. Um, because the thing is, and you learn this, is everybody else, like, kind of had families, but all Enid ever had was the business. And so she takes it as a huge affront that they're trying to have her close her business. Yeah. And even, like, they even suggest, like, maybe you should just turn it into an actual bed and breakfast and not, you know what it is and she inherited oceanside and it was already 
a place that people used for quote unquote hourly services. So she just made it, you know, safer for the women who were there. And it was actually the mom's, uh, Mary, Mary Margaret's idea to like start talking, talking, talking to the women and like saying like, Hey, can we help you out? So like it ended up being like a much better, it was better than it was before. But I think what the other three women are seeing are that, it's starting to get back into the seediness. Yeah. And that's because Enid either doesn't care or has become a callous, not good person. Yeah. Um, and I think that was the tragedy, too, is like you said, it was Mary Margaret's idea. And it was like, so Mary Margaret, I feel like, not villainizing her, but she kind of got to have her cake and eat it, too, because she started the business, but then she yeah. also had her daughters. And so she got to have a family. Yes. And all Enid had, even because Enid literally says she's like, when, you know, this, this seaman literally brought the first girl here for hourly services, she's like, I was furious because she did take pride yeah. in the business. But then she's like, it was your mother who had the idea to talk to the girl. So I thought there was always, like, a element of tragedy to Enid's character, just mm-hmm. knowing that this was not essentially what she yes. wanted. She fell into this. So. Yes, definitely. Definitely. And so basically, if, what happens next? I think... They do go to the soup kitchen, and that's when, because they're like, mom was in the fucking yeah. brothel business, and the ladies of the town were like, you know, we were all supportive of Enid when this first started, and then it got out of hand. Um, and so, yeah. after that, uh, they go back home, and Pris is furious. Oh. And she, yeah. No, go on with that part, and then I got yeah. one other thing. But Pris, go. Pris is furious, and so Mary Beth, to calm her down, shows her the money, and she's like... We can leave. We can do this. We can we can go anywhere we want. Mm-hmm. We can get out of this shitty-ass town. And she's like, I'm not doing that, you know. And if you, you want to do it, you're on your own. And so Mary Beth, I think, mm-hmm. leaves at that point. So, Well, and, and um, at this point, Enid has found out that the desert, which is the docks where her girls work, um, apparently the rent didn't get to the person who runs it. Yeah. And um so she's fucking furious and she's looking for her money. Yeah. And yeah. Well, yeah, and that and, happens. And officer Justin is starting to figure out what really happened. So he yeah. really likes Pris. He ends up coming to their house and having breakfast with them and he really likes them and then he starts figuring out by talking to his friend Polly that Mary Beth was at the bar the night Gorski disappeared and not at home with her sister, like they told him. So he starts off, which I understand why he doesn't trust Priscilla anymore. Yeah. I do wish he had like maybe asked her about it, but I think it's one of those, like she crossed a moral line that he will not cross. And like, you have to respect somebody for that too, you know? Yeah. Like it's sad because they're cute together, but you know, it's like, oh, I get why he would say, you know what? Better step away from this because obviously I can't agree with her. Because yeah. she's probably a murderer. But he also doesn't turn her in. Well, he, like, doesn't, he doesn't turn her in. He doesn't really have proof proof either. Because that's why he sleeps outside yeah. their house the whole night waiting for them to leave. Um, yeah. So, yeah. and Lexi, so what Katie was mentioning is that Lexi keeps listening to this message from Dee. And there was also a really great scene. The reason she finds out that they owe Declan money is because... Lexi kind of confronts her about, like, oh, there's ladies around town. They're saying bad things about you and blah, 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 blah. 
And uh, she's like, well, who took you in? And she's like, you did, you did. But then they start talking about Dee, and she basically tries to tell Lexi how Dee tried to sell her up the river. And Lexi knows that's not true. And that's, like, one of the most powerful scenes, too. Like, she, mm-hmm. she like, literally just, I, I wonder how much of this was improvised. I wish I could get my hand on the script. Because she literally grabs her fucking face, and she's like, she's like, she didn't care about you. Um but she listens to that message again. She listens to it fully. And she's like, I found out um, the safe code is Enid's birthday. And so she breaks into Enid's safe uh-huh. and finds one of Dee's nails. And that's where she tells the lady, she's like, I know she hurt my friend. Like, I know she did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so the girls decide that they're fucked if they keep the money. So they decide to come back and give Enid the money. And Enid's been kind of, like, she keeps showing up at their house and, like, finding their mom's old whiskey and stuff. And she's not doing well mentally. Yeah. And they come into her room at the bed and breakfast. And Lexi and another girl that works there are both kind of, like, in another room across the hall. So they can hear what's going on. And they're like, okay, well, we brought you your money back. We spent some of it, but we can pay you back. You know, here you go. And then she kind of, like, has a bit of a breakdown, Enid does, about how, like, you know, this is her business and this is all she's ever had and, like, how dare they try to do this. And um, then she tries to give the girls some of the money and they refuse it. They say, no, we can't take this. And she's like, you spoiled little brats. And she just, like, goes off on them. What I love about this scene, too, is that she also starts with, Mm -hmm. like, she's like, I miss your mother so bad. And I got the feeling that their mother was her only friend. Like, her only true Yeah, because the other women are her real friends. Yeah. Yeah. They were, but they've they've lost. They're not friends anymore. Yeah. They've they've changed lives too too drastically to still be friends together. And I think Mary Margaret was probably the only one who like I think we've all had friends that maybe do things morally against our moral compass a little bit, like that is a gray area. And I think everybody has their limit, which is fine. Um, you do you, man. But I do think there are people in this world who accept people unconditionally and i think mary margaret is one of those rare people who love unconditionally and really loved enid as a friend and didn't i'm not saying she didn't care that she was doing dangerous things but i think she accepted her no matter what and i don't think the other women they do care about enid to a point because they do try to like convince her to not do it but i think enid has disappointed pointed them in their viewpoint so many times that they're at the end of their rope with her they're just like i yeah like she's kind of like okay i love desperate housewives she's kind of like the ed of desperate housewives like they they don't hate her but they don't fully embrace her either yeah so you know it's interesting um but she does kind of have a breakdown and she's very upset and I feel like she admits some stuff, too, like, loudly. And um, the girls leave. They do get their knife back. And after they leave, Lexi uh, smothers Enid with the pillow. And she she hears about the money, so she and the other girl take off. And I thought it was a really cool way they filmed this is because you see them, you see um, 
Mary Beth and um, Pris drinking a picnic at their mother's grave. And then you see the other girls leaving town in a car. Which, honestly, I kind of thought they should have stopped and given them some money, personally. But then it would have also um, implicated them, I guess. Yeah. So, I guess it's smart they didn't take the money. And as they walk home, they start talking about how they're going to try to keep the house if they work their asses off and get Mary Beth to college. And then it gets kind of creepy. I actually really like this part. It's so I loved it, but it's very creepy. I love it. And so we see all this is juxtaposition that Dor- Doreen sees something bobbing in the water. We find out that Susie is actually Justin's grandma. And after talking to her, because he's trying to be like, you know, what do you think about the Connellys? And she's like, they're nice girls. And, uh... He's, he even tells, mm-hmm. like, his uh, Coraletti, he's like, I don't like her anymore. But they're walking around town, and you see, like, Doreen and, um, I forgot the other, I feel so bad, I just blanked on. Um, Susie. Susie, thank you. Doreen is. Doreen, Susie, Susie yeah. yeah. and then, of course. Um, and Gail. Gail, yes. Uh, Gail. But Gail, thank you. Gail, who's what I was forgetting. But you see Doreen and Gail, they're kind of, like, carrying bags, and they're, they're, they're singing Blow the Man Down. They're greeting the girls, and you see them carrying mm-hmm. trash bags and walking around. You don't think of anything. And then the last thought we see is Susie is rinsing the blood out of the giant cooler that they put the body in. And you can see it's their cooler because it has the mermaid logo on it, and there's blood rinsing, and she's rinsing yeah. it out, and she just turns and she smiles at the girls. And I loved it. <laughs> I loved it. Because it's like, at that moment, the women all knew that the girls were, killed the man, killed Groski, but they were like, you're one of our own. and we're They gonna blew that man you. down. Yeah. Yeah, they blew that man down. We're going to take care but... of you. And it makes me wonder, and the thing I thought about after seeing this movie the second time, I was like, you know, they mentioned, they're like, your mom got us out of a lot of trouble. And I'm like, is this the first time this has mm-hmm. happened in this small No. Time? Yeah. I'm absolutely sure it's not. Yeah. No, they're too smooth about it. Yeah. There's absolutely no hesitation. They're just like, <laughs> they're just like. Just gonna hum and wash the blood. Yeah, and, uh, it's all good. The body. And there is actually there was one scene we kind of skipped over, but it was another. I think there was a lot. I think one of my favorite things about this movie is the script had such good mm-hmm. subtext to it and yeah. good dialogue, and they found yeah. actresses that really brought it to life. And so when they cut, yes. they confront Ina at the hotel about Dee's murder. They even say we all mm-hmm. we all have our stories, and I thought that alluded to like. Maybe the sexual assault that was happening in the town, but also it made me think afterwards mm-hmm. of maybe the murders and the cover up that happened in that town. Yeah, it just seems like it has a seedy underbelly, but that is like small towns usually have seedy underbellies. It does remind me a lot of like Blue Velvet, where it's like this perfect little town, but like there's secretly this horrible underbelly that Kyle McLaughlin's character gets embroiled in, and I kind of feel like that is kind of a theme with small towns. Um, But yeah, I think the script is really good. I think the performances are stellar. I think the direction's great. I really like the visuals. Their cinematographer actually also filmed Hustlers. Okay. Yes, he filmed Hustlers as well. That new movie that everyone thought was really cool. And they wanted it to look like a Super 8 camera, he tried to convince them to let him film in a Super 8, but it was not within their budget because digital is way cheaper. Um, so they didn't actually film in a Super 8, but they matched the color um, palette 
of a Super 8 That's to awesome. when they film digitally. So we're supposed to have that kind of vibe. Also, the producer, Drew, who was the body double, also helped produce Birdman. Oh, wow. And... Yeah, their other producer, Alex Scharfman, worked on the crew of the Vavitch. And then Albert Berger, their executive producer, worked on Little Miss Sunshine and Little Children. So with, you know, Tony Collette. And I was like, wow, that's just a bunch of, like, weird Grindhouse Girls movies that we've all done, all connected to this movie somehow. Um, yeah. But I, I, I like it. You know, I like women supporting women. Yes. <laughs> Even if it's with murder. Yes. It's a movie. It's fine. Um, and I'm always a sucker for a bunch of crazy Catholic families with CD underbellies. My family doesn't really have CD underbellies, though. There's some scandals that happened a long time ago, but not a lot. Like, nobody's, like, secretly a drug lord that I know of. So, that you know But of. they're fun. That I know yeah. of, yes. Um, but, yeah. I mean, the only thing I don't, like, I do think... I wasn't floored by this movie, but I also really liked it. And I watched, I was entertained both times I saw it. So I do recommend it. I feel like it was more of like, I was kind of in a moody mood. I wasn't really into watching a movie this weekend. So that's probably why. Um, but I did like it a lot. I think it's really good. I think it is worth a watch. Um, also, it's really hot right now. We're in the middle of like a heat wave. So... It was kind of nice to watch something where it was, like, icy. Yeah. <laughs> Until death. Like, we, we have had a theme the last couple of weeks. It's like, oh, it's summer, but, like, the movies are cold. I feel so much better. Um, Did you have, did you have like, a rating out of 10? Yeah. I'm going to have to give this an 8. I did, too. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> like, really, like, I was, like, even, the, like, I was, like, I'm blaming myself because this movie deserves an 8. Yeah. But... I was just having kind of a weird week, so I was like, I wish I saw this movie and I was like in a better mood to begin with, because I think I would just like love it more. Um, it does kind of feel like the female um, lighthouse, but with more characters. I I've really, the, but there's like the mermaid and the sea shanties. There's a lot of shared elements. I what I really liked about it was I loved the script. I thought it was a really tight. I thought it was an overall really tight script. Like, I felt like the characters were really strong. They were fleshed out, even though the movie was pretty... It was a shorter movie. It was only 90 minutes, which I always love movies that are only 90 minutes. Um, the acting was really strong. I just felt like there was a certain flatness, maybe, towards the latter half of the movie. Yeah. Like, I think that's mm-hmm. what stopped me from getting Yeah, a lot of the, yeah. the shocking stuff happened up front. Mm-hmm. And that kind of, like, yeah, I do, maybe that's what was, like, the beginning was really interesting, but, like, there wasn't, like, a confrontation, like, when they, when Enid gets killed, it's just with a pillow. Yeah. Like, I feel like we needed one more, like, bloody confrontation, you know, maybe somebody drowned somebody in the ocean in a struggle, like, there wasn't a big climactic thing. Yeah. And I guess maybe that's the point, is, like, because they're covering up these murders, like, they have to do it quietly. So maybe that's the point. Yeah. But I do feel like maybe... I, I agree. It was a little flat at the end because there wasn't, like, a climactic end, really. There was a really good acting scene by Margot Martindale. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So, so she's great. Um, did you have, like, a Grindhouse Girls rating? I did. I had... Um, I had to. I had a more kind of serious one, which was uh, rated uh, S for Sisters secrets and small towns 
And then I had my okay. preferred rating, which was C for coleslaw and catty bitches. Okay. I had uh, rated C for cover-ups and crooked crones. And because crone is like an older lady. Yeah. Anyways. And then my favorite was rated S for sea shanties and sisterhood. Oh, we had we had C and S both ratings. I know, isn't that weird? We I don't know why. We should do C for cover ups and catty bitches. Okay, we're gonna have to asterisk out the bitches though. Okay, I just that was one of my favorite lines of the whole movie. She they were like, "We if, if you don't want to be saved, you're too far gone, Enid." And she goes, "To to the Catty bitches. Like, <laughs> I loved it. I don't know what it was. It was like, she did like this blink thing. Like, her facial expression was like, she looked like yeah. she was really drunk. Like, because she was in the scene. Uh, but her one eye literally closes and she goes, Toodaloo, catty bitches. And just starts walking. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we should do rated C for coleslaw cover-ups and catty bitches. Okay, I like that. I like that. I like that. It it flows. It flows well as a three a three form one. Yes. So with that, we've concluded our discussion on Blow the Man Down. Very good pick, Britt. And Thank Jonathan. You. Thanks, Jonathan. Thank you, Jonathan. Suggesting it originally. Yes. Thanks, friend. Me. Um, so we talked about there's a movie that's coming out that'll be new and is showing in theaters near us. That is an A twenty four film starring Dev Patel. And it's had some really cool marketing. And we were just like, hey, why don't we go see a theater? A movie. <laughs> go see a go theater. Go see a theater. Hey, why don't we go see. <laughs> go see a theater. Why don't we go see a movie in theaters that's out? Because we've been doing some newer movies and everyone's been kind of responding to them pretty well. And, like, you guys know we love A24. Like, it's like our favorite movie production company. We love A24. Um, so we're going to go see The Green Knight um, this weekend, and um, you should too. And if you can't, um, I think it will probably come on streaming pretty soon too. I want to say it might even be simultaneously streaming somewhere because sometimes it, it does nowadays because of COVID. So um, check out The Green Knight in theaters um, or if it's available. I should have checked that before we came back. Uh, if it's available to stream, do it on that, yes. too. But it looks very interesting, and it looks kind of dark and creepy. And I had to read... And... Did you have to read Sir Gowan? I read it in college. Yes. I read it in college. I read it in high school. Okay. But I really enjoyed yes. I read it. it. I read that and the Canterbury Tales. I did read Canterbury and... Tales in high school. And, um, of course, Beowulf. Beowulf. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Duh. I mean, everyone has to read Beowulf. I'm pretty sure everyone has to read Sir Gowan and the Green Knight, right? I We read Beowulf and Canterbury Tales in high school, but we didn't read Sir Gowan in high school. At least we didn't. Weird. But also, like, I went to a college prep school. Yeah. And I was in AP English. But not that year. That was regular English. That was... I did AP English. They only did AP English your senior year. Interesting. So it was just run-of-the-mill English. So, I don't know. It was weird, but, um, yeah, I, re- I remember Sir Gowan on the Green Knight. I'm kind of excited. It looks like a really cool, um, like, production. Like, it looks really cool. It looks interesting. It looks very dark and creepy and hopefully very bloody and gory because we love that. Um, it's not really horror, 
But I think it's kind of grindhousey because A24 does interesting things. So, and it just looks good. Yeah. So, I don't know. I've been looking forward to it ever since I heard about it. Even though, like, I don't, like, I don't remember, like, being obsessed with Sir Gowan and the Green Knight. But I do think it's interesting to take a really old um, piece of literature and adapt it for a modern audience in an interesting way. And it looks very interesting. Yeah. So... And again, it's A24, and I'll watch anything A24. Yeah. And I mean, sometimes things are great, sometimes things are bad. Um, False Positive was also produced by A24, but it was not great. But St. Maud was fucking amazing. So, but also, like, it's getting great reviews, too. But yeah, so, uh, watch Sir... I keep wanting to call it Sir Gowan and the Green Knight. Watch the Green Knight, um, and it looks really dark and creepy and fun. So, and um, thanks for listening. Be safe out there. There's a lot of heat waves, a lot of really crazy weather. Be careful. Also, please get vaccinated. We're like the worst vaccination. Alabama is the absolute worst in vaccination right now, and I'm ashamed of that. So get educated. Learn how vaccines work. Uh, Herd immunity only works if 90 to 95% of the population gets vaccinated. So, if you are a person who is eligible to get vaccinated, do your part. Also, I just want to say we support Simone Biles, by the way. I'm really mad at people for being rude to her about her making a very mature decision to step down when she is not mentally handling things yes. like she wants to be. Because there are little. Brit actually posted the story about uh, was it a Russian gymnast yeah. who literally broke her neck. Because she wasn't ready to perform, and she told them, and they didn't believe her. Yep. And she ended up, like, paralyzing herself. Yeah. Because they forced her to do that. It's awful. So, yeah, gymnastics is super dangerous. I know they make it look really easy, but literally, you'd make one wrong step, and you could literally paralyze yourself. And so, I think if someone is not feeling like they are mentally handling the pressure... They should not be doing dangerous stunts. It's just like, if Johnny Knoxville is not feeling 100%, he shouldn't be doing jackass stunts or else he might die. And we don't want that because there is a Jackass 4 coming out and Eric Andre's in it and I'm very excited. Um, Sorry. I'm not saying jackass is like the best um, entertainment, but, you know, I love, I think it's jackass 2 or is it 3? One of them I've seen several times and I find it very entertaining. It's very stupid, but I just love Jack. I love those movies. I didn't really watch the show, but I like the movies. Um, so anyways, be careful, be safe, be kind to one another. Uh, wash your hands, take your vitamins, get your vaccines, and start wearing a mask again. Because I know we are going to go to the theater, but they are practicing social distancing and we will be wearing masks. Um, we are both vaccinated, but still they're suggesting now that... Even vaccinated people need to wear masks if you're in a low... We're not really in a high level of contagions where we are, but since no one's getting vaccinated in our state... Yeah. mm, It's a new day now. Uh, At least this time there's hand sanitizer and toilet paper. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But if we... I don't... Hopefully we don't have to lock down again. Yeah. Let's just hope that. 
knocking on wood. But yeah, guys, thank you as always. Uh, here's a reminder. Please drink a shot of water. A hydration reminder today. Um, thank you. Like Katie said, take care of each other. Um, wash your hands. Keep safe. Practice social distancing. I know it fucking sucks. It really does. But I mean, uh, we're, we're all in this together and it's not going to stop unless we make smarter decisions. Um, as always, Thank you for liking, for sharing, for subscribing. Hello to all of our new followers. We're so glad you're here with us. And as always, we just look forward to seeing you uh, next time. Same spoopy time, same spoopy channel. Stay spoopy, y'all. Stay spoopy, y'all. Night, Katie. Night, Brittany. Bye. The Grindhouse Girls podcast is a production by Katie Dale and Brittany Ray and edited by Katie Dale. All music used is royalty-free and will be in our annotations. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions, please contact us at contact us at grindhousegirlspod.com or visit our website at grindhousegirlspod.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon. <laughs>